of grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, there is a very specific reason that theologians of old have always told us this world is not our home. But indeed, we somehow, in our current day and age, we somehow seem to think that it ought to be, don't we? And indeed, especially here in the United States, we grew up under, you know, some pretty good conditions, right? You know, I don't know if there's anyone even in the audience today that would remember the Great Depression, for example. No, we really have had things pretty good. There's been food on the table, there's been love in our homes, there's been the fellowship within our church body, and as we look back over the course of each of our lives, we'd probably have to say, it's been pretty good. And yet, even in our gospel lesson for today, it is revealed, this world is not our home. A very scary text that we come across. We're told that Satan takes our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ into, yes, some kind of a, a time warp, yes, even, where he's able to show all of the kingdoms of the world throughout time. And he says to our Lord and Savior, if you will but bow down and worship me, I will give to you all of these kingdoms. Yeah, I think my, my mic probably failed somehow. Um, and, and so I have to, you know, pump up the voice a, a little bit and, and, you know, carry on with the service today. But imagine that. There is Jesus and he's in you know, this time warp and he's seen all of the kingdoms of the world that have ever existed and ever will exist. And Satan says to him, just bow down and worship me. I will give you all of these kingdoms. And it's very interesting to us. Jesus' response is not, you lie. And Jesus' response is not, these kingdoms aren't yours to give. But rather, Jesus our Lord acknowledges that Satan has power in this world. But our Lord and Savior responds and he says, I don't care. I don't need these kingdoms. I don't need to have this world if it means worshiping you. That's the response of our Savior. And so taking that to heart and considering our present reality, what that really means is, yes, Satan has power in our world today. 
And even though perhaps here in our United States we have things pretty good, we can look at our lives and say, hey, my life was pretty nice. As we look around the world today, we see many, many people that don't have things pretty good. And I know I've shared this little fact with you in the past, but just to reflect on it once more, if you have electricity hooked up to your house and you have a refrigerator to be able to keep your food from spoiling and you have a decent roof over your head, you're among the top 20% of the world's wealthiest people. Right? That's not even to say if you have a car so you can drive around. Right? And, and that's not to say if you have an air conditioner right, to, to keep you cool in the summertime. No, it's just if you have a roof over your head, you have electricity coming to your house, you own a refrigerator to keep your food from spoiling. You're among the top 20% of the world's wealthiest people. And yet we fall into that trap, don't we, where we begin to compare ourselves with people that have more than we do. We never stop and consider the great blessings that we have received in our own lives, but rather, right, we say, wow, you know, I'm kind of tired of this used car. If I could be wealthy like that fella and buy a new one, wouldn't that be nice? Or we say, wow, you know, my neighbors, you know, they went down south for the winter, and if I could be wealthy like they are, wouldn't that be nice? And we say, wow, look at those people that made the news, all the many billionaires in the state of Minnesota that we read about this past week. Wow, to be a billionaire. Wouldn't that be nice? But dear friends, in this world we have had it a pretty good. And the fact of the matter is, for most of the world, Satan still has control of them. Satan still creates chaos within their countries. He still creates wars and rumors of war. He still creates poverty. He still manipulates things behind the scenes, increasing his desire and manipulating the outcome for the detriment, yes, of we who follow Christ. Consider again those original disciples. You would perhaps think if you had sat at the feet of Jesus, if you had absorbed his teaching, if God was really with you when you went out to perform your ministry, surely great things would happen. Certainly you would enjoy the Lord's protection and His provision. And yet consider, 
of the eleven remaining disciples after the suicide of Judas, ten of them were put to death for proclaiming the gospel. Doesn't that seem to be completely the opposite of God is with me? Consider that once again. The eleventh disciple who was considered, yes, to be the best friend of Jesus. And imagine the character qualities he must have had to be the best friend of our Lord and Savior. Right? That he was upright, that he was morally sound, that, you know, his mind traveled along the uh, lines of, of the gospel, that he was out there performing the works that, that he was supposed to be doing, that the Lord didn't have to rebuke him very often. Well, we're told that that disciple, that best friend of Jesus, that they actually put him in a vat of oil and turned up the flame. Now somehow the Apostle John survived having these terrible burns covering most of his body. But at the end of his life, he couldn't even walk into the church under his own power. And that great man of God, that great preacher of his day at the end of his career could briefly speak only a few sentences. In great pain, he would be carried into the church. And in great pain, he, he would perhaps say, little children, be like Jesus. And that would be the sermon for the day, and then they'd have to carry him back out again and he didn't have the, the modern drugs to be able to deal with the pain in his body. He just had to live with it. Again, dear friends, that really seems to be the opposite of God is with me. Right, because when you and I hear those words, we think, hey, you know, God is with him, right? He has a million dollars in the bank. He lives in a nice mansion, right? He even has a little preserve of his own for deer hunting in the fall. He flies in in his little twin turboprop plane and he lands on his own private airfield and he hunts for the weekend. And then he goes about his business. Oh, certainly God is with yeah. That's really how we think about it, isn't it? But our Lord and Savior, He reminds us once again today, this world is not our home. This world is a place where Satan has power. This world is a place where the devil himself can take our Lord and Savior and he can show him all the kingdoms of the world. And he can say truthfully, these kingdoms are mine. They belong to me. 
But if you will but bow down and worship me, I will give them to you. Yes, dear friends, that is our present reality. When we go out from our church, when we go into secular society, when we're in any kind of business and we're interacting with other people without faith in Christ, when we're out going among our, our daily friends and about our daily activities, we are in a world that is not our home. It really is a fearful picture, isn't it? The scripture says, The devil is a roaring lion who goes about freely seeking whom he may devour. For us in, in Minnesota, you know, the, the writer could well have said, you know, the devil is a giant grizzly bear. Right, going about freely. And we would get that, wouldn't we? I don't know if you've ever been out in the woods and maybe you even saw a, a giant grizzly bear. Maybe you, you just felt like you heard one in the background, right? And then you kind of know what the writer was writing about, don't you? There's some wild animal out there. And I don't know when he's going to strike. And I want to stay out of his way. And it's a fearful thing. I want to get to safety. And dear friends, that is what our Lord and Savior provides for us. That we would have a church where we can come for safety. That we would be able to go to the Lord in prayer and ask, yes, for His protection. That we would be able to have one who stands closer than a brother in our lives. You see, dear friends, the truth of the gospel is not somehow if I can get it right, then I can have my own little game preserve to hunt on in the fall. It's not somehow if I can just do things just so, I can have my own twin engine turboprop plane to fly around on the weekend. It's not if I can somehow do things according to God's will, I can buy that brand new pickup truck next week. But rather, the truth of the gospel is that in my poverty and in my weakness, I have a place of safety. And I have a dear brother And I have one who holds me carefully in his hand. I have one who loves me so much 
He made another place for me. A place in the heavens. A place where there is always fairness. A place where there is always right. A place that, yes, I can call home even now. The truth is, this world is not our home. We have a better one. We have a place in the heavens. We have a place not made with human hands. We have a place where God governs in His sovereignty. That place is waiting for us. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.